What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, tensions between Governor Pritzker and Mayor Johnson, two city-run mental health clinics are slated for 2024, and the Love and Nappiness concert takes over Talia Hall this weekend. All that and more with Southside Weekly's Chima Naira Okoro and the Trib's Jake Sheridan. It's Friday, December 8th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Before we jump into the big stories that were taking place in Chicago this week, I want to start with uh, talking about music. We started talking about music a little bit last week as those Spotify wrapped Apple replays were dropping. But I want to hear from y'all about y'all favorite musical experience this year so far. That could be a song. It could be an album. It could be a festival or concert you went to. Uh, And Naira, I want to start with you. What was one of your, if not your favorite musical experience this year thus far? Can I give two? Is that wrong? Of can course you can. Come okay, on. Okay, cool. Um, so my first favorite was um, actually, I guess, like just listening parties in general. A lot of people whose music I like and also people that I'm close with dropped projects this year. Um, K.O. dropped a project. Um, Matt Muse dropped a project called So Far So Decent. That listening party was beautiful. Um, but also Femdot had his first headlining tour and ended off in Chicago. And I was screaming my head off at Talia. So it was a great time. Hey, Femme is one of my my favorite artists in Chicago. Free Sample has been playing throughout the year. Um, been riding with him for a minute. And one of my fra- favorite musical experiences uh, over the last couple of years is being able to see him every time he comes back to Chicago. Jake, I want to kick it to you. What was one of your favorite musical experiences this year as we get close to the end of 2023? Yeah, my my Spotify number one this year was Lil Yachty uh, because I love the, <laughs> the psychedelic album he, he put out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a, a rock album, right? And... Uh, uh, I, I saw him perform at Lollapalooza and it was like super muddy, kind of nasty generally. And obviously, you know, the crowd is is a little young up front, um, but I was able to kind of avoid a lot of that and just listen. And uh, it was awesome. So that's my number one. I think what's fun about watching artists grow up is right. They start off in that phase where everybody is critiquing them. And then at some point they wake up and they're like, you know what I want to do? I want to critique other artists. I just want to be like, you know what? People ain't making real hip hop no more. People need to. So just to be at an age where I've seen Lil Yachty go from people being like, what's going on with this boat kid to him being at a point where he putting out rock music. Let's be real. The singles this year slapped. Uh, and, and so now he's decided, you know what? I'm old enough to start critiquing younger artists. I love watching that transition take place. <laughs> 
Every single week, we bring our friends in to talk about some of the big stories that captured our attention this week. And honestly, I don't think we could start anywhere else than back at the drama in Brighton Park. This week, Governor J.B. Pritzker got things started off by first pausing and then officially shutting down the plan to build this tent camp for new arrivals in Brighton Park, which is seeing pushback from the local alder person, from the local community. And let's be real, this has kind of turned into like the tensest moment thus far between Mayor Brandon Johnson and Governor Pritzker in their early relationship. Jake, I know this is something you've been following for the last few weeks as this tension has been building. But did you expect the governor so quickly to shut down construction, you know, like period, just like end it now? Yeah, you know, we were expecting a decision of some kind to come quickly. But, uh, you know, just based on the way the city's attorneys were posturing, I I was personally pretty surprised by this. You know, over the weekend, I was calling the state IEPA, uh, trying to get a sense of what they would do or when they would decide something. And on Monday, I was covering a hearing for a lawsuit from Brighton Park residents trying to block construction. Um, And the city's Mm -hmm. lawyers were seemed really confident that this is going to move forward. You know, they were they were they were talking like they expected people to be moving in in the next couple of weeks. Um, right. I'm like, we, we've seen the metal structures put up already. Yeah. Right. They, they had already laid down the six inches of gravel. It was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Pritzker's decision was fueled by environmental concerns. Right. Last late last week, the mayor's administration dropped this 800 page environmental assessment that said they found mercury and other toxic chemicals here and said they had a remediation plan. You know, the Environmental Agency for Illinois, the IEPA, came out and was like, hey, like everybody else, late Friday, we just got this report as well. So we kind of need to slow things down. Naira, I want you to come in here. What, what did you think when you saw this news earlier this week? Yeah, I mean, I totally understand how it can be confusing for some people. Also, you know, having trust in the city to be able to see the project through and like have the people who are going to be um, in these camps have their uh, health and their best interest in mind. Like that's something that we would assume and hope that the city would be doing. So it's kind of confusing and weird to find out that like maybe all of those precautions and protocols are not being taken. It makes you also wonder, right? Like how many other places is there a step being missed? Um, is it that the state has a different idea for the way that they think that the mayor should go about this? And this is a way for them to kind of like, um, redirect, right? Um, but in a situation like that, that's very sensitive, right? You know, folks do need a place to stay. Folks need shelter, you know, because it's about to be cold outside. So what is the solution? Like construction has been halted and then what? I'm not sure how familiar the state is with the ongoing protests from Brighton Park residents, but that moment seems to align because not only have some people in the community said, hey, we just don't want this here. You have had a large part of members in the community say we don't want to bring people here because we've already known that this was an environmental hazard. The the idea for these camps seems to have come from the Pritzker administration, even if it wasn't this site in particular. So for a while, you seem like the governor and the mayor were moving lockstep, even though they might not have been completely on the same page about location. The state had ponied up some money to a tune of, I think, $65 million. So for me, it just felt like a, a hugely embarrassing moment. Here on CityCast, we've talked about this now in three news roundups in a row. I mean, of all the the shelters that have opened in the past few months, I mean, why do y'all think this story is capturing so much attention? Jake, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, 
for starters, this was the most important effort to house people in the city. You know, they wanted to house 2,000 people here. Um, there are around 13,500 people uh, who came to America who are being sheltered by the city right now. And, uh, you know, with, with new rules on how long they can stay in, in the shelters they're in and uh, with more coming, you know, uh, seven buses yesterday, six more expected today. Uh, there needs to be more spaces to put people. But I also think, you know, that that same point uh, that you just made, uh, you know, talking about this over and over again, a, a colleague this morning, I was, I was talking to her about this and she used the phrase repeated chaos. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing here. We're over, I think, 24,000 people at this point, 13,000 in shelters. You still have thousands in police stations out at O'Hare. And so we understand that the mayor feels like his administration is in crisis mode from the moment they got in the office and they're trying to solve this. And it's difficult because let's be real, mostly every community has found some pushback to a shelter being open in their neighborhood for, for a number of different reasons. Uh, identifying places for these, these uh, shelters that can house up to 2000 people, whether it's public or private land has proven difficult. But I think the thing I keep coming back to over these last few weeks is, I don't think anyone expects it to be easy, but I thought the least you could do was stand in front of me and just give me the news straight up. Drop the 800-page environmental assessment as soon as you got it so we can all move through it. Dropping it Friday night for the governor to shut your ish down Monday morning, that's not a good look in your first year. The reason why I feel like this feels so overwhelming is one thing to consider is that folks are also being redirected from other places, right? Like New York being like, hey, you yep. know, don't know what to do with y'all, but y'all can go to Chicago. Y'all can go to this place and that place. Other states, other cities have been way more don't come here. And Chicago has kind of been at that like, we ain't got mm -hmm. enough space, but we ain't going to say no. And it, yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so that's been putting even more stress on the city and like the capacity of folks in general, not the city as in like the government, but the city as in like literally Chicago as like people. Right. But also uh, Chicago was always constantly having this conversation about environmental concerns, constantly having conversations about the way the environment is or is not being taken care of, impacting marginalized com communities, impacting marginalized people, right? And so I think that it's kind of like not a surprise that something like this happened because like that's a tale as old as time when it comes to the city of Chicago. Um, it's a tale as old as time, sites being toxic, um, the correct precautions not being taken, right? But it makes you wonder, right? Like, um, when do we stop that like cycle of normalizing, you know, th like these environmental issues that we so often see in the city of Chicago? Why wasn't something like this looked at and taken care of earlier? Why wasn't this taken care of before? And now it's like emergency mode and we're not prepared mm -hmm. for it, you know? Are you self-conscious about your smile? Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patient smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. 
I ain't got the time. I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. From talking about uh, one issue the mayor's office is trying to get a handle on onto one of its biggest campaign promises, and that's the mayor's plan to reopen some of Chicago's shuttered mental health clinics. Uh, Johnson has earmarked funds to reopen two public mental health clinics, which is a part of a major campaign promise. At one point, Chicago had, I think, 19, and then a couple of administrations tore them down. Now we're closer to five. Uh, Jake, you wrote a story about this. And this, I mean, this is arguably one of Mayor Johnson's two or three biggest promises. What's the latest? Yeah, so, you know, like you were saying, uh, the mayor budgeted to open two city-run mental health centers. Um, and he's also trying to double alternative police response for 911 calls. Um, and, you know, that's important because all of that falls under the umbrella of the, the treatment, not trauma uh, plan. And that's uh, you know, a plan pushed by a coalition of community groups uh, to kind of change the way the city responds to mental health. And so, you know, right now, this is a really small part of the mayor's budget. It's it's 0.1% of Chicago's budget. You know, this is around 20 million, it looks like. Um, and most of that is for the, the alternative response. So the activists really want three things. They want all of the clinics closed by Richard M. Daly and Rahm Emanuel to be reopened. So they do want to get back up to 19 clinics during Johnson's first term. Um, they want to establish a community care core. So these are uh, you know, community workers, ideally hired from the community, who can go into their neighborhoods and try to preemptively respond to uh, mental health crises before they happen to make sure that people's needs are met, whether that's you know, getting someone to a doctor or uh, just being present for someone when they're going through it. Um, and they also want to have alternative uh, response dramatically expanded as well. So, you know, it, it's not really just two centers. There's there's a lot more coming down the pipe. The activists I talked to said they're, they're really happy about the two clinics that have been budgeted for. Uh, it's not clear where they're going to reopen yet. Uh, there's going to be a committee a uh, city council committee will determine where those clinics are going to be reopened. But, uh, you know, the mayor's office told me they're in lockstep with activists. That was the word they used. So it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens. I mean, this was a huge, not only on the campaign, but one of the big reasons that Dr. Allison Arwoody was fired, uh, uh, you know, so soon into to Brandon Johnson's administration, his position on, her and former Mayor Lightfoot's sort of private public mental health complex kind of went away from what he want. Why do you think it's so important for Johnson and supporters that these clinics are city run? 
Yeah, you know, the first word they used when I asked them about why they think it's better that the city runs clinics than the city funds private nonprofit clinics to give mental health care uh, was accountability. They think that uh, they can better see how these clinics are giving services uh, if they're run by the city, that you know, we can get a sense of if, if the clinics are really meeting people's needs or not. Um, they also think that these clinics are more embedded in the communities they live in. They're more flexible and uh, they, they can provide care outside of the you know, kind of classic clinical therapy sense or uh, pharmacological sense. So it's, it's sort of a, a mixture of accountability, uh, uh, being a part of a community, and being a potential spot to really expand mental health care. I know Southside Weekly is working on a community safety initiative, and that's another one of those topics in our city that I'm like, right, we can build, you know, infrastructure and some systems to provide people with, right, like alternative things to do, more resources, more employment and training resources. But, you know, how we think about community safety is something that also needs to be worked on. Uh, so what's the latest coming out of Southside Weekly? Yeah, so we're working on this community safety initiative that's looking to tackle some subjects that are important to Southsiders, things like housing, gun violence, um, urban design. And so um, I was tasked with, you know, coming up with events where we can um, not only provide a resource to the community through the event, but also to um, have open conversations about the reporting being done on a particular subject and what resources we can provide for the communities that we serve. Um, so the event, we're doing an event on Saturday, which is um, based around gun violence, right? To have open conversations so that we can spread information so that we can be the most useful to communities. Also having conversations about how that reporting can be better because we noticed that, especially for Southsiders, but really just in general, the conversation about gun violence is very numbers-based. Right. It's very like, you know, quantifiable, but not really like there's not a lot of humanness, you know, behind the way reporting is done when it comes to gun violence. We just want to create the space so that we can have conversations to understand that more on top of, you know, playing a little basketball <laughs> and, you know, that type of thing. So that's the initiative. And I can where, get where is it going to be hailed at at Lakeshore Sport and Fitness um, and. It's going to be on the one that's in at the one that's on North Sesson, but we'll also have a gun violence first aid teaching by Ujima Medics. Um, so even if you know someone leaves the space without ever picking up another copy of our paper or ever going on our website again, at least they left with the skills to do something or left with lunch. We'll drop a link for Community Hoops in the show notes this Saturday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Community basketball tournament, resource guides, and, and an open forum for people as well. Every single episode of City Cash Chicago typically ends the same way. And that's with some good news. Oh, man, that was good. I might have to start going to the gym in the morning. My lungs felt open for that one. Felt yeah. Felt, felt, felt good. That, that was nice. good. But this could yeah. be an event you have coming up, some personal uh, news, a story you're working on. So, Jake, what's your good news for our City Cash family today? Yeah. Well, first, Jacoby, I think I might have to change my number one music moment of the year after that. Uh, All right, come on, stop it, stop really it, nice. stop it. You, you got to talk the whole Yachty out. You hear yeah, good news every yeah, day. Yeah. No, I appreciate yeah. you. 
Well, um, yeah, so uh, the, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe is uh, this Tuesday. And of course, this is a really important feast day for, for Catholics all across the Americas. Our Lady of Guadalupe is the patroness of the Americas, but it's especially important for Mexican Catholics. Uh, it's the celebration of the appearance of Our Lady of Guadalupe to a Mexican peasant in, uh, near Mexico City uh, in the 1500s. So every year, around 200,000 people travel to uh, a shrine for the Our Lady of Guadalupe in Desplaines. And, uh, you know, they go in a lot of different ways. Some people walk, some people go by horse. But I think the coolest way that people do this is they, they go in semi-truck. There is a huge semi-truck convoy that rolls to Desplaines. Um, and I got to see it firsthand this year. I was, I was heading out to uh, my block, my hood, my city uh, event, tree lighting uh, on King Drive this Saturday. And I got stuck for like 10 minutes uh, uh, on Western as the convoy was going by. Uh, people were surprisingly not that mad because the trucks are sick. They are so <laughs> souped up. Uh, a lot of them got the, the, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe up front. Some people don't. Some people just got, uh, you know, the, 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 the chrome grills and the, the cool paint jobs. But uh, and they're, they're so loud. They are honking the whole way. It was really cool to see that. And, uh, you know, I'm glad it's a, it's a part of our city. Again, a reminder for folks, last year there were 200,000 people that made the trip out to Des Plaines for this. And if this piqued your interest, on Monday we're going to be talking about this once again with Father Sanchez, who works at the parish in Des Plaines, uh, along with a family who has been making the trip for the last 20 years uh, from Ravenswood to Des Plaines, which, if you're not familiar, is about a five and a half hour to six hour walk for people of all ages. It's a really cool story. Whether you're Catholic, not Catholic, non-denominational, uh, it really is just a cool story uh, that means so much to Mexican-Americans, Mexicans living in Chicago. So I'm glad you talked about this, Jay. Now, I want to kick it over to you. Uh, please, what is your some good news? Oh, my gosh. First of all, we were blessed to hear it again. You actually, I'm about to talk about a show, but we might actually have to make you the headliner. Just saying. Come on, Jay. I'm agreeing with Jay. See, y'all doing smoke today. Y'all, I'm loving it. Hold on. Fill um, me up. 87. Look, <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> Um, so we're having the long hair don't care show this weekend, um, this Sunday, and this is the uh, benefit concert, the culminating event for the annual Love and Happiness Hair Care Drive, which is on its fifth year. Woo! Um, uh, founded by Matt Muse, um, he is one of the three uh, performers we have on the bill. We've also got a spotlight performer, so we've got Matt Muse, we've got Raven Lene headlining, we've got Joseph Chilliams from Pivot Gang, then we've got Jay Bambi. Um, also performing as well. Um, and we've got sounds by DJ Cash Era at Talia Hall. So you can spend some money, have some drinks, listen to some good music, um, and make sure you donate to the drive as well, because we're gonna remind you a million times. You left some mm -hmm. out, fool. You left some out. Oh, sorry, you're so right. And I'm gonna host. Come on. <laughs> I love that you immediately knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and I'm going to host. Um, as if people don't already hear me talk more than is healthy. Um, but I will be hosting. It's going to be a great time. 
Hey, I'm finna try and make a whole night of it. I was just at Punch House, which is the small little bar in the basement of Talia Hall last week. I might get a little reservation for SKY across the street or something. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. I'm really excited for this concert. Uh, when I think about one of my favorite music moments of the year, it was actually meeting Joseph um, at the Chicago Reader Gala during the summer. And I got to meet MFN Mello. I got to meet Joseph. I got to meet Fresh Waters, uh, who, if you're not familiar, are all founding members of uh, Pivot Gang, one of my favorite groups in the city. I love all the music they put out. Uh, so I'm excited to come through. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the Love and Happiness Hair Care Drive, our newsletter editor, Sidney Madden, sat down earlier this week with the drive's founder, Matt Muse. And you can see those three questions at chicago.citycast.fm. Before we get out of here, I want to leave y'all with some good news. Yes. I got two events for you. One is on Saturday. Uh, just another one. If you're interested, it's Pocket Con at the MCA. It's a celebration of comic books and graphic novels, but particularly comics and graphic novels, celebrating queer characters, celebrating black and brown indigenous characters, celebrating women and femme identifying characters. Uh, people like Eve Ewing are going to be there giving uh, panels. You can pick up some merch and they're going to have exhibits, talks, performances on all of the floors uh, in the MCA. So I love when a good free event for the youth is taking place at the MCA. So I'll drop a link in the show notes. And then on Monday, a group of some of our colleagues around the city are going to be gathering for a remembrance rally for the journalists, the media makers, the photographers, over 60 who have lost their lives in Gaza uh, throughout this bombardment over the last couple of months. And so those are two events I wanted to add to your calendar to go along with. Make sure you are back to listen to our episode talking about the pilgrimage to the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I want to give a huge thank you. Uh, and I want to personalize these thank yous. Because y'all are two of my, not only two guests that I really appreciate, but Jake, you are always letting me know on Twitter in the DMs that you liked the episode, thought something was funny, and that <laughs> means a lot to me. And Naira, anytime I run into you in public, you let the people you know who you're with, that CityCast is one of your favorite podcasts. And so regardless, um, I, I want y'all both to know how much y'all support over the last few years means to us here at CityCast. And thank y'all for being with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's always a blast. Of course, we stand. Before we let you go, I want to give a huge thank you to the people who make City Cash Chicago possible. Our executive producer is Simone Alisea. Our producer is Michelle Navarro. Our newsletter editor is Sydney Madden. Our roving producer is Dylan Brogan. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. And like every single week, my last thank you is for you. Yes, you for listening to CityCast Chicago, for subscribing to Hey Chicago at chicago.citycast.fm, for DMing us, voicemailing us, or even just listening to us on two times speed while you brush your teeth in the morning. It means a lot to us. We're going to be back bright and early on Monday. Hopefully you'll join us. Peace.